This week, we may be too old for this shit, but we're not too old for Lethal Weapon. This is Body Counts and Beer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I am Mark Rosenthal. I am Patrick Bromley. I guess I'm still John Rooney. And today we are talking about the 1987 Richard Donner classic, Lethal Weapon! I just was expecting some, like, sweet sci-fi synth after that yeah, intro. No, no, we're gonna, we're gonna work in the, the awesome sax <laughs> yeah. in post. In post, it's all sax and blues guitar. Yeah, definitely. Bing! Oh, wait. You guys record this? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. From the director of Lady Hawk and the writer of Monster Squad comes Lethal Weapon, a movie about two wacky mismatched cops and their quest for street justice. Yeah. John, let me get your hot take for Lethal Weapon. Ow, it's so hot. Patrick, hot take for Lethal Weapon. It was like if you condensed the 80s into a liquid serum and shot it into my eyeballs. Mark, your hot take on Lethal Weapon. This, If this movie was a cooking appliance, it would be a hot plate. It's that hot. Not not an oven? Not a stove? Yeah, no, just a hot plate. Grill? Wow. Barbecue? Man. I don't... Open flame? Really, really underselling it there, Mark. I thought it was a great movie. Did you not feel that way? That I, I, I just thought hot plate was hot enough. Wow, all right. Ooh, Mark Rosenthal okay. uh, officially hates Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and <laughs> a, a, apparently grossly overestimates hot plates. No. <laughs> Okay, number one, Lethal Weapon, great movie. Number two, hot plates can be used for so many things. They're <laughs> fantastic. I use them to melt wax candles to make crayons. Uh, I use them to... How expensive That's are a... crayons where you're, like, where are you shopping for crayons, dude? Also, how cheap are the candles you get a hold of? Look, I It's would... just his adult coloring book has to smell like lavender or it doesn't feel finished. <laughs> it's all a euphemism for cooking meth, isn't it, Mark? Look, I don't want to uh, confirm or deny it, but confirmed. Moving on, the movie begins, as all movies do, with boobs! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Well, this is that, that great era in the 1980s where it's, uh, oh my goodness, it's Christmas in Los Angeles. There's no snow in L.A. <laughs> That's weird! Long tracking shot of a snowless Los Angeles bathed in Christmas lights yeah. to the sweet tunes of Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Smash cut to close up of boobs. Yeah, naked lady doing coke, hanging out in like a hotel. Yeah, the yeah. 80s. Yeah. <laughs> no, the 80s. That's what I'm saying. Reagan's America. <laughs> Hopefully one day it'll be that great again. Well, have I got a candidate? I can't wait to share some literature with you. I think it's funny that you assume that the Trump candidacy has paperwork (laughs) and literature. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's just tweets, right? I think I feel like everything they have could be condensed down to like Bazooka Joe comics. (laughs) Oh, dude, Ayn Rand did Bazooka Go comics. Yes, absolutely. I gotta look some up. It's <laughs> During her wild phase. And it was like, Bazooka Joe, lend me some gum. And he's like, you gotta earn your fucking gum. This is my gum. I'm keeping it. Puts on Rorschach mask, jumps out window. Hire us to write all your comics, Bazooka Joe. 
Are we too real for you? <laughs> oh, okay. So, a uh, naked lady doing cocaine decides to leap off of a building. And you see her entire thought process from start to finish. From yeah. inception of the idea to execution. Yeah. Yeah, and she lands in a car in the middle of a parking lot. And then we cut to... Uh, Danny Glover in a bathtub. It is a montage yeah. of people waking up and starting their day. Yeah. Danny Glover, it's his birthday. His kids come in while he's in a bathtub that didn't really have a lot of bubbles. So it's kind of an uncomfortable scene. Well, and also what we find out later is that his birthday was yesterday, yeah. which makes this the worst family. Yeah, <laughs> terrible family. Danny Glover, naked, in a bathtub. All of his children come in, clearly can see his junk just in the water. Yeah. They're like leaning over to the toe, giving him a kiss, having yeah, a blow it's, a cake. It's his birthday, and as per ritual, you just, you see where life begins and ends, yeah. all within the body of Danny Glover. Hey, listen, it's called a birthday suit for a reason. <laughs> Valid point. Uh, and we see kind of, uh, he, Danny Glover plays uh, Roger Murtaugh, a 50-year-old cop on the verge of probably retirement. Uh, Def- he's got a boat for it. Yeah. He does have a boat for retirement. He's definitely too old for some shit. This yeah. shit, possibly. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of see his home life. He's got a bunch of good kids and a great wife, and she drops an egg, and then he needles her about it yeah. for like five minutes. And his daughter wears slutty dresses. And his daughter wears slutty dresses at 10 o'clock in the morning. No, it's her New Year's dress. She's just showing it off. She's got to wear it from now until New Year's. Yeah. <laughs> for the next week. Yeah, otherwise the luck doesn't work. Yeah, no. I didn't know that that's how New Year's dresses work. Maybe not for you. Yeah, and you, you, you wear it for a week, and then you fill it with black-eyed peas, and then you eat it on New Year's Day. Oh, man, Fergie's coming over? Sweet. <laughs> this is how New Year's works. Is this not what you do, Mark? Do you not wear the same dress every single day after Christmas? I'm and usually, then fill it with peas? I'm usually blackout drunk from December 27th on. <laughs> uh, I'm usually blackout drunk from the 24th on. <laughs> I usually don't realize it's New Year's until I'm writing a check and get angry. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you mean it's 2017? <laughs> then I get excited because there's a new Star Wars coming out. <laughs> Every year till the day I die. <laughs> oh, and then of course we cut to Riggs. Oh yeah. shit, we don't just talk about Star Wars no, movies for no. the rest of the night? No. Riggs, I think they're trying to tell us he's living a sad life, but as it turns out, he has an awesome, like, lassie collie dog who plays on the beach, yeah. and he has a camper there, and he wakes up smoking, and then he gets to drink beer for breakfast, which I wish my wife would let me do that. Yeah, he's pretty much living, like, my dream yeah. life. Yeah. He's got a sweet dog, he lives on the beach, uh, he's watching cartoons all day, Yeah, smoking, drinking, having a pee without a shirt, it's... Great. It's class all the way. <laughs> but what we learn, though, is even this is not enough to console him over the pain of his wife's death. That's correct. Yeah. Bachelor heaven is not <laughs> enough. What a lady Vicky Riggs must have been. She was one year old. <laughs> John, she wasn't. She was 31. You just can't read. No, it said the tombstone was 1983 to 1984. The real tragedy was he saw the passing of an entire life. It was like the end of Event Horizon. (laughs) Does that make Mel Gibson the Sam Neill, like, demon stepping out of the... 
No, it makes Mel Gibson the montage of torment that makes you rip out your eyes. <laughs> oh, okay. Fantastic. All right. It's been a while since I've watched Event Horizon. <laughs> I may be misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It had that guy from Jurassic Park, right? Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it had uh, that... Yeah, it's where he turned into a fly. Yes, and it had the yeah. guy from uh, The Matrix. Uh, oh, uh, Quantum Leap. Yeah, Joey Pantaleone. <laughs> Joey Pants. Joey Pants is the captain of the ship in the Event Horizon. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but to be real honest, we started drinking well before this movie. <laughs> also, I'm not sure anyone here has seen Event Horizon. I've seen it at least once. Sure you have. Uh, it, the year it came out, 19... 19- what, 98, maybe? I don't know. I've read a lot of cracked articles that reference it. <laughs> I just know that it is one of the first <laughs> movies where they're just like, if you want to go from point A to point B at light speed, you just take a piece of paper, fold it in half, and stick a pencil through it. And that's how time travel works. <laughs> And you watch any movie now where they talk about, like, traveling faster than the speed of light, and that mm-hmm. is their go-to demonstration. Watch as I take one piece of paper, fold it in half, and stick a pencil through. The fastest point between two points is a straight line made of pencil. Uh, yeah, we did definitely start drinking a little early on this one. Guys, <laughs> we are so on point. All right. All right so all right, Riggs right. is undercover at a Christmas tree farm buying some cocaine. Cocaine, indeed. Uh, and there's a fun little bit of jibber jabber there. Where he's... Well, he likes to have fun at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's important. And he does like a Three Stooges thing where he slaps one guy into yep. another guy. I'll and... bet he's got Funko Pop bobbleheads at his desk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does a little eye poking, a yeah. little molary curly business. Uh, and then just brutally murders a couple people. Yeah, well, a guy pops out of a Christmas tree with a shotgun and shoots one of the bad guys. So Mel Gibson clearly has to shoot that guy. And then he's, you know, Even already that guy, shooting guys. I mean, the so. guy with the shotgun has exclusively helped the arrest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just like to think that there's an alternate cut where there was just two undercover uh, sting operations. <laughs> one hand didn't know what the other was doing. Oh, That'd be tough. You will find a running theme throughout this episode is uh, Riggs being just terrifyingly incompetent (laughs) (laughs) and just absolutely should not be on his job. Which is hilarious because almost any time people talk about Riggs, it's one of two things. Oh, he's crazy. He's suicidal. He's whacked out. He wants to die. Or it's he's the best soldier there ever was. (laughs) He's capable of killing anybody from any distance. He is, you know, the most brutal human being on the planet. He's super metal. And yeah, Riggs is Rambo, except he managed to get a job when he came home. Right, well... <laughs> With the LAPD. When, when, the, when the sheriff came to hassle him, yeah. he was just like, hey, can I just fill out a job application? Yeah. This, this seems real sweet. Yeah. I get to give hippies a hard time? This is great. He luckily didn't have that Italian last name. Yeah. That's, mm, that's very important yeah. in Reagan's America. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So Riggs uh, busts some guys up, and he's a little crazy and whacked out after it. Uh, and he goes home, and he tries to kill himself. In a hilarious scene, yeah. filled with thrills, chills, and goofs. I mean, and this Bugs is the funny cartoon. Yeah. and this is the scene where we kind of uh, find out the kind of musical theme of this movie, which is this: anytime something cool and awesome is happening. You get sweet, sweet 80s saxophone. Yeah, you do. But anytime something sad or dark or depressing is happening, 
you get Eric Clapton's dark blues guitar riffs. <laughs> and this is a dark blues guitar riff scene from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it goes on for like five minutes. It goes of on a really long Mel Gibson time. crying I mean, with a thing gun is, in his this mouth. This scene definitely had me. Like, it's very emotionally raw yeah. and it's really real, but then it just goes on too way long. too long. It, yeah. it turns from a great acting scene to a Letterman bit so quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It gets to be a mess. What the hell was this movie about? Oh, no. Next up, you see, then uh, Riggs has got to get set up with somebody stable, like Murtaugh, so they get partnered up. Yeah, and there's also like a little thing. So Murtaugh, it's his 50th birthday, and he's been getting phone calls from a guy named Hunsaker, someone he knew yeah. back in the day, back in the war. There's a lot of mention of the Vietnam Everybody's War in this movie. Vietnam in this movie. And um, he's finally contacted by his old friend, and we find out that the girl who jumped out of the building at the beginning of the movie, is his old friend's daughter. And he wants him to find the guys that did this to her and kill them. Kill them. Now, of course, Murtaugh responds, quite rightly, I can't kill them. I am a police officer. <laughs> and and his friend just decides to yell angrily, loudly, at his place of work, <laughs> kill them! Yeah, you owe me one, he says. Who suggests that he sometimes saved Murtaugh's life in Vietnam. Uh, and so Murtaugh and Riggs are introduced to their partners in a cute little bit a little bit of meat cute at the yeah. police department yeah. where Murtaugh spies Riggs out of the corner of his eye and notices that he's a little shady looking and then he just pulls out a gun and Murtaugh saves the day. Well, not really. He runs at Riggs and Riggs throws him on the ground and points the gun at him and then they get introduced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody in the uh, in the entire police building seems to have any problems with this. No. Yeah, well, we, I will say this. Uh, the way this police department is run, they clearly don't care about much of anything. Because people just pull out their guns anywhere they want and just fire them uh, all the time. 80s LAPD here, guys. That's true. <laughs> there is a very long scene with a uh, police psychiatrist talking to the chief of police saying that Riggs is... Like I think literally uses the term right on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> he cannot be trusted. He's suicidal. He should not be given a weapon or authority to brandish it in public. Yeah. And the police chief says, well, if he kills himself, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he literally just goes into the men's washroom. And we yeah. never see him again. No, we really I can only actually. assume he hid in there for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Until after Christmas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, at my place of work, I usually do that around December 18th as well. <laughs> my guess is that he uh, he walked in one day, was mistaken for the chief of police, and just never corrected anyone. Running like a Cosmo Kramer bit. <laughs> He's in too deep to say that it was a mistake now, so he just has to hide in the men's room. I like to think he goes in the men's room and the real chief of police is just taped up in the toilet. Yeah. And he's just like, what would you do if this happened? And the police chief is just like, I don't know, let's just hang out and play Battleship. So the police chief is like, he's into it now. Yeah. At well, first he was being held against his will. He's but totally like Stockholm. Yeah, exactly. It's like a real Patty Hearst thing going on. It's the 80s. Anytime anybody's taken hostage for more than a day, they become best friends. Yeah. That's true, and Dennis Leary fixes your marriage. Yeah, right, yeah. And Christmas time, yeah. the ref... Great movie. That. Yeah, look at that Uroboros we just closed, guys. Yeah. Well done. Nice. So, uh, is the ref an action movie? Hot <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, so Riggs and Murtaugh go about their day, and they're just bickering and arguing. They don't want to work with each other. Well, what I love is this movie gets all the iconic lines right out of the way. Immediately, uh, Murtaugh is too old for this shit, and then they're having a conversation where uh, they're saying... Oh, Riggs, you know a lot of martial arts. I guess you're a real lethal Lethal. weapon. Credits. Yeah. (laughs) Bang. Right there. Great stuff. Also, like, 50% of the dialogue in the first half hour of this movie is ADR'd after the fact. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, they made the movie, and then, the unfortunately, the onset saxophone was too loud for the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to re-record it after the I fight. like to believe that it was originally shot as a silent film, and they had panels <laughs> with all the awesome, uh, like, one-liners. <laughs> Damn it, Riggs, you leave the weapon. That's the silent movie music. Yeah, that's cool. Of course. Man, that Eric Clapton is real versatile. Yeah. He's the best. Trombones with one of those muters. Other instruments. So Riggs and Murtaugh find themselves on the case. They try to find out who is responsible for the death of this young lady, and they're kind of led into this deep. Uh, web of intrigue and deceit. Meanwhile, we are introduced to Mr. Joshua, played yeah. by Gary Busey. The Gary Busey. Who is huge in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's big. Yeah, he's like, a big dude. Scary big. Nah, he's just real close to the camera a whole bunch. <laughs> it's all shot in forced perspective. Yes. Well, he's that classic, like, I don't know why this happened, but there's that period in the 80s and 90s where to be a huge dude was to wear, like, fitting slacks that started at your belly button and then to just be a really loose upside down triangle in his <laughs> yeah. shirt. It just flows. Yeah, he's wearing the classic Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. his sleeves Tight are... pants, loose shirt. The Jean-Claude story. <laughs> exactly. Mr. Joshua is the most uh, nefarious, evil, badass of badass evil soldiers. Uh, we find this out because his boss, the Colonel General? General. Sergeant? He's the general. The general, uh... Forces some guy to hold a lighter up to his arm for like two minutes, and Busey doesn't even flinch. Yeah, Busey, Busey makes likes like getting uh, his arm burned. He, he makes real uncomfortable eye contact the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's pretty upset <laughs> about having his arm burned. I don't think he's upset about having his arm burned. I think he's upset that he has to keep proving that he can have his arm. Yeah, burned. right. <laughs> He's like, again? All right, I'm going to get my arm out I here. mean, like, it's not impressive anymore. It's just callous at this point. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows I can burn my arm. Can't we try something else, like a nail in the face? Or, <laughs> I don't know, like... Uh, no, the face is clearly where Gary Busey makes his money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. Don't want to ruin that moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, so Riggs and Murtaugh find themselves on the trail of these bad guys, and they get a tip... A hot yeah. tip, hot tip. Uh, to a house in the middle of Beverly Hills. Well, and this Hills. leads to my particular favorite scene where it's just a shot of their car drive, like the camera is stationary and the car is just driving away from the camera off into the Hollywood Hills. And we just hear a conversation between Riggs and Murtaugh about like, oh, should I crack the window? No, it's all right. Oh, do you mind if I smoke? Well, I'd rather you didn't. Yeah, but like I'm gonna. <laughs> And it goes nowhere, and it tells us nothing, and all I can think yeah. of is uh, Eric Clapton refused to come back to score that scene. <laughs> right. So they just got uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson didn't have anything better to do on that Sunday afternoon, and they're just like, ah, just record some gold for us, boys. <laughs> we need some movie sounds to go over this shot. Ugh. 
just before the scene, we skipped this, and I, I hate to, to do this and go back, but we forgot about the scene where Riggs saves a guy from jumping off a building. By uh, jumping off a building with a guy. Yeah. So a guy's threatening to jump off this building, and Riggs is like, I've done this before I can talk him down. And he goes up there and does his patented crazy Riggs things yeah. by handcuffing himself to the guy and then making him jump off the building with him. Which yeah. the movie presents as being like a really clever, unorthodox way to get out of the situation when really the fire department had just inflated a giant thing for them yeah. to land yeah. on. Yes. Well, he yeah. distracted him with his crazy Riggs talk. I mean, I guess, but... He didn't inflate that giant tube for them to land hey, on, dude. Hey, hey, I don't know what America you live in, but we don't thank our firefighters. <laughs> I was going to say, I live in the America where we appreciate the no, true heroes. No, no, I live in the America where most of them are volunteers and very few are paid. <laughs> like Steve Buscemi. Uh, yeah, he could have just pushed the guy off the roof. It would have been the same thing. Or, I mean, because he's already handcuffed to the guy, he could have done literally anything else. Yeah. That's like, true. not jump off the building. Valid point. Mm-hmm. But they you just do have to that. walk downstairs. That would have been a really awkward conversation yeah. the whole way down. All the way down. And you're handcuffed together at that point. And, like, the, there's no way that the stairwell is going to be wide enough to accommodate nope. both of you. Nope. you got to leave the lane open for yeah. people coming up. Yeah. So yeah. you got to, like, twist your arm back and... How do you decide who goes first? Yeah, no. Who leads? Yeah. This, this John is why you jump. It's not <laughs> yeah. crazy at all. That's the thing. Well... You might as well yeah. jump. Go ahead and jump. You're going to put like a sick beat under this, right? I get up. Some sweet uh, Eddie <laughs> Van right. Halen. So, moving on. <laughs> Nothing gets me down. <laughs> Not until we violate more copyrights. <laughs> I got to say, if you're out there, please do yourself a favor and listen to the isolated audio, like the vocal track of any Van Halen song, but specifically Jump or Running With The Devil. It's amazing. Oh, uh, <laughs> also for legal purposes, uh, we have created and own all music owned <laughs> or referenced in this podcast. So uh, Columbia Records, we're going to be looking for our residuals. I just look forward to seeing the lawyer prove that we hit any of those notes. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see that lawyer prove Eddie Van Halen hit any of those notes. <laughs> well, Eddie Van Halen didn't hit any notes. He didn't sing. He played guitar. He yeah. punched it with his hands. It was all David Lee Roth. Yeah, he played that guitar with a drill once. <laughs> no, that was uh, Paul Gilbert, the guy from Mr. Big. Oh, It also yeah. seems like the kind of thing you can only do once. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no, he made a special drill head that had four picks on it, so you just go... why not just use your hands at that point? Because no. your hands aren't faster than a drill, yeah, John. It's a drill. We're not all Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah, jeez. I can't just be, like, playing a sweet guitar solo, and then be like, go, go, Gadget, four picks, and then they shoot out of my fingers, and then I just super jam like that. Yeah, it doesn't work just, that way, John. I'm pretty sure that We're not all short circuit. We're not all... <laughs> Robocop with his sweet guitar pig spike that comes out. <laughs> guys, you guys, music is stupid. <laughs> I think we have definitively closed the door on music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, everybody wants some yeah. music, and that's also another Van Halen reference. Nailed it. Moving on, they pull up to a house in Beverly Hills, and they're just kind of wandering around, and they see two ladies uh, doing... All the cocaine? Most like a music cocaine. a music box filled with cocaine. Yeah, yeah a lot of cocaine. Yeah. 
Uh, they notice the guys there. The guys flash their guns to the ladies so they know that they're police. They don't show badges, just guns. <laughs> just guns. Uh, and then a guy shows up out of nowhere with a shotgun and just starts taking shots at him. But it's okay, because Martin shoots him in the kneecap. Yeah. Problem solved, right? No. Yeah, it seems pretty open and shut to me. But it turns out that as he's being picked up by uh, Riggs, he has another gun. What? Who has two guns? Mr. Rockefeller over here. I think it should, uh, it should definitely be noted that Shane Black wrote both this and Die Hard, because there's a lot of the same notes being played. He did not write Die Hard. Yeah, he did. It was no. during his cocaine period. I don't think that's He was true. hanging out with Stephen King, writing movies about cars that are possessed. Uh, I'm afraid, listeners, we're going to have to go to the instant replay portion of the show. Uh, I definitively proved uh, like three or four podcasts ago that Shane Black did in fact write uh, Die Hard and Star Trek 2. <laughs> I don't think any of this is true. <laughs> Long time listeners will remember this. <laughs> Unless Mark cut it out to make me look foolish. <laughs> Well, you'll never find out. You don't listen to the show. <laughs> Why would I? I heard it all. <laughs> I was there. And then, what John doesn't know is every single podcast comes out, he's replaced <laughs> by just another Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> I come back after you leave. <laughs> oh, Okay, so they save... Uh, this guy pulls another gun on them. And Mer- uh, Riggs ain't having it. Plugs him like four times in the gut. Yeah, just like in Die Hard. And, to- <laughs> and tosses him into a pool that has like a cover on it. So now he's like drowning as well as bleeding out. And suffocating. Yeah. In- yeah. He's like in a pool spider web drowning. So he thing. gets that uh, that death from Rambo 3 where it's like nine deaths. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's got like yeah. 40 deaths going on. Boy, that Shane Black sure likes to write multiple <laughs> deaths happening <laughs> Yeah, like that scene, like that scene in Monster Squad, where the Dracula bites yeah. it like six times. Yeah, exactly. You see, oh. first he steps in the bear trap, <laughs> then he slips on a banana peel, and his head gets caught in a bucket. And then an anvil falls on him. You guys, I've seen this movie. <laughs> Riggs and Murtaugh have a little argument, and they end up going back to Murtaugh's house for dinner. Yeah. I just I can't remember. Is this the one where there's a bomb in a toilet? No, that's three. I don't think I actually watched this movie, you guys. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing pictures on screen <laughs> and hearing the sweet saxophone. Oh, that's God. Uh, about oh, it. cool. Then what happened? Well, no, it, then there was a guitar. And then, uh, or yeah, yeah. And then uh, Mel Gibson makes eyes at Danny Glover's clearly teenage daughter. Oh, and... Danny Glover's clearly teenage daughter is making some crazy eyes at, at yeah, Mel Gibson. Yeah, because that's the only kind of eyes he understands, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he make any kind of normal eyes, he wouldn't really get it. But crazy eyes, then he knows. 
And then what happens, actually? I don't know what happens <laughs> they, after this they just, Like, I remember the beginning and the ending, but, like, nothing that got us then, there. I think then they go to that prostitute's house, and it blows up before they get to it. Yeah, they get to the yeah. prostitute's house, and there's, like, the four little kids across the street. Seriously, like, listeners, we gonna, did watch this movie. They're like, you're gonna bust the prostitute. Yeah. They're like, no, we're just gonna have coffee. And they're like, no, <laughs> you're gonna bust her. And then it blows up in their face, and then they interrogate a child. Yeah, and, he and they snitches. interrogate a child, and <laughs> yeah. he snitches. Actually, they all snitch because they're terrible. Yeah, but they do get ice cream out of it. They do. It's true. Well, Although, they go off screen, I assume once they find out <laughs> that they've been they've snitched that Mr. Joshua comes and finds them. <laughs> they're all dead. I mean, Mr. Joshua does spend a lot of this movie tying up loose ends. <laughs> Mr. Joshua, like, which is great is, like, as a villain, he's mostly off screen for most of the movie. Yeah. Well, he's mostly not the main villain until suddenly he is? True. Like, he's the, the well, main henchman. He's just a yeah. vengeance character at the end. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Will we? Yeah. Will we <laughs> ever get there? Listener, write in and let us know if we ever questions. got there. Uh, <laughs> listeners, fill in the box. A for will they get there? <laughs> B for will they not get there? C for all of the above. <laughs> D for none of the above. <laughs> if you printed out your body counts and beer worksheet this week, <laughs> just the run it through the Scantron. Yeah. Please make sure to use only number two pencils, yeah. not pen. And don't just put C for everything. <laughs> nah, dude, you gotta crack that computer code. <laughs> and make sure to read John's thorough dissertation of the first 15 minutes of Star Wars 2. <laughs> it's on every worksheet. Star Wars episode 2, Attack of the Clones, you fool! <laughs> you foolish fool! I know why Kaminoans were building clones long before the actual advent of the Clone Wars. Do you, Patrick? No, you just know stuff about dating ladies and driving cool cars. Technical difficulties! <laughs> uh, Patrick said some disparaging things about the Star Wars prequels, and uh, for legal reasons, we had to stop recording while I composed myself. Now I can never speak again. That's right, you can't! <laughs> so moving on, the prostitute's house explodes. I don't know if we got there, but no, it we does. got there, we got there. It does, it blows up. The little kids snitch. They get stitches later from Mr. Joshua. Yeah. And then they go off to find the prostitute on the street. Yeah. Where it's raining, but not on Mel Gibson. Never. It's in his contract. Yeah. That beautiful hair can't possibly get wet. It has its own hair effects person. It does. That's and true. it's very special, you guys. <laughs> Definitely. I think that was Ray Harryhausen's last job. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts to talk to a prostitute, but just as he's starting to say hello, Mr. Joshua shows up and blasts him with a shotgun out the window of a car. But it's okay, because he was wearing his vest. Yeah, his bulletproof vest. <laughs> now, mind you, he gets shot with a shotgun. He's blasted back about 30 feet in midair <laughs> yeah. through a plate glass window. Yes. And he gets up and he's just like, nah, I'm yeah. all right. He was wearing his well, vest. I, I mean, don't see what you don't get about to this. To be fair, he rambles crazily several times after he gets up. But he does that through most of the movie. So it's hard <laughs> to say whether or not he's really hurt. <laughs> That's his secret. He's always hurt. We now know that they have a weapon against Gary Busey. Gary Busey thinks Mel Gibson's dead. 
Which they fail to capitalize on this. Right, because immediately afterwards, they, Murtaugh realizes that Mr. Joshua is going to be going for his family. And they get back to the house, and they break in, and oh no, his daughter's gone! Well, like, but even before, like, they, I, I don't think we highlighted just how much the movie hammers the point home that the bad guys think Mel Gibson is dead. They even have Gary Busey calling the police station, pretending to be a reporter, That's right. to get confirmation that, that Riggs is dead. <laughs> And nothing ever becomes of that. Murtaugh says, we got a secret weapon. They think you're dead. Yeah. Well, then they go, they they arrange to meet Murtaugh in the desert. And I guess the trick is they're going to have Riggs with the sniper rifle and they won't check for him. And technically, there's going to be this exchange for Murtaugh for his daughter. And the daughter will theoretically get to leave. And then Riggs starts shooting the place up, which is great. But then the main bad guy, the general, was checking through the brush for who? Right. Well, Riggs! Yeah, exactly. Who else would it have been? Like, the movie spends an enormous amount of time trying to really highlight this as a real clever, cool ruse. But, like, it never pays off. Right. clearly know that they need to be looking for Riggs. Yeah, because what happens is they go out into the desert and he's going to trade himself, Murtaugh's gonna trade himself for his daughter, uh, and it's Murtaugh versus, like, 50 goons in limousines and, like, Lincoln Town cars and a helicopter. Reagan's America, baby. (laughs) They've all got automatic weapons, and Murtaugh's big plan is just, like, I'm holding a grenade. Yeah. And if I was one of the goons, I'd be like, hey, if I just shoot him right now, he drops that grenade and we all win. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, because a grenade is mostly shrapnel. But instead, they all just, like, back away, and they're like, he has a grenade! Well, yeah, I believe... It's like the thermal detonator in Return of the Jedi. The general... He's exactly the... Co- I am not done quoting <laughs> Star Wars! We will stop this podcast again, Mark! Again! Stop it now! Burn it to the ground! Just wanted to point out that the general does specify he wants to take Murtaugh alive, so that's why they don't probably shoot him. Why does he want to take him alive? Because he wants to know what Murtaugh and Riggs have told the cops. I think between the three of us, we can confidently say somebody watched this yeah, movie. Yeah, but all three of us put together, the movie got saw. That's <laughs> right. Let's oh, face it, that's I... how this works every week. Because yeah. <laughs> I forgot. We With forgot. our powers combined, we watch a movie. Because I forgot there's the scene where Riggs or Murtaugh goes back to Hunsaker and he's yeah. like, ah, oh, you're in on it. And he does like a big exposition dump yeah. where he's just like, oh, there was Let's this. Let's just go ahead and skip to that expedition. Ex- 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 cut all of this out. <laughs> no, John, no. The people must know that you can't read or speak. The people must know that you are fallible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> we can't show any weakness in front of the Reds. <laughs> Yeah, we did skip the scene where uh, Gary Busey shows up in a news helicopter <laughs> and murders Hunsaker because yeah, no, he's about to spill yeah, all Yeah, just like that other Shane Black movie, Iron Man 3. <laughs> that actually is a Shane Black movie. Yeah, I know. I know all the Shane Black movies, you guys. <laughs> and yet you somehow think that he wrote Die Hard. He wrote and directed all five Die Hard movies. <laughs> and directed a... Because I'm pretty sure that only two of them were good, and they were both directed by John McTernan. No, no, they were all uh, Shane, Shane McBlack. <laughs> Shane McBlack had all five movies and went two for five? He had to direct three of them under his pseudonym, lest the union catch on. <laughs> I like that his pseudonym is Jan DeBont. 
And then the guy from Underworld. I don't remember the right. That's actually the credit. The The guy from Underworld, comma, I don't remember who directed it. That guy what did Underworld. That's the credit they play at Appalachia. Uh, (laughs) Take that, undereducated parts of the United States who are ignored by our government. Let's gloss over systematic poverty and abuse. Yeah, let's not get political, guys. Yeah, no, keep it down. Uh, so, Richard Nixon, underrated president or greatest president? <laughs> oh, man, both. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Joshua kills the guy, right, and the bullet goes right through his chest into his wait, wait, carton of His carton, as you pointed out, of party nog. That's right. It's not even eggnog, it's party nog with two G's so and you know it's legit. What nog. I love is he's holding the carton which looks like a like a quarter gallon milk yeah. basically. It's yeah. very small, but he's holding it with two hands, both pinkies out. Oh, he doesn't want to spill. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't want to look like an animal. He's not a barbarian. <laughs> yeah. He has Mel Gibson to impress. Yeah. There's a squib in that <laughs> carton. Don't you know? Also, it's Nog. Yeah, right? <laughs> for God's sakes, man, have some respect for the Nog. There's two G's. That's double the Nog. <laughs> I don't know why it's Two like, G's all know? party. Yeah. Thanks from the people who bring us Red Stripe. <laughs> Guys, we are having a great time. Yeah. I don't yeah. care if the audience is. We should always get the pizza late and start drinking early. <laughs> the best idea. It's true. The beer tells us to turn it up and the cheese tells us to cool it down. <laughs> so, so out in the desert, Murtaugh's got a grenade and they put their plan in action. He th- Murtaugh gets shot, he throws the grenade feebly and then Riggs just starts slaughtering Yeah, him. he just shoots the crap out of people. Murtaugh shoots two or three people himself before ducking behind his station wagon. Yeah, they, get, they, they kill a lot yeah. of goons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Riggs has uh, Mr. Joshua in his sights but he can't think of a cool thing to say so he gets <laughs> yeah. caught by the bad guys. Yeah. Literally, it's because he can't think of a cool thing to say. Yeah. And then the general puts the gun to his head and they all get caught. Yeah, and then they all get taken back to a weird warehouse yeah. slash factory. Where there is an enormous leak in the plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sort of place where people used to work before Reagan's America. <laughs> the kind of place where people used to work before just... the rivers of Cleveland caught on fire. <laughs> right? I like that none of us have stopped campaigning for Dukakis. <laughs> Dukakis ran against Bush. Yeah, we're campaigning for Mondale. Mondale, baby. (laughs) Mondale. Whatever, Dukakis is the wave of the future. You guys got to stop living in the past. (laughs) Oh, Oh, one state Walter, they called him. (laughs) Speaking of bumper stickers, there's a great one in the Murtaugh household, which is End Apartheid. Well, it was 1987, yeah. and that Sun City song had just come out, yeah. so everyone knew that we had to end apartheid. It's very I important. I didn't play Sun City. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. Man. Yeah, no. You couldn't pay me to play Sun no, City. No, it was terrible. John Sun City? I don't, I don't know why everyone's staring at <laughs> We're me. all looking at John, who is John... not disavowing his having played Sun City. Don't worry about it. <laughs> John, John, as a member of Simple Minds, <laughs> Since Sun City. Yeah. We were just trying to do some good, you jerks. (laughs) 
I'll have you know we raised over four dollars <laughs> for the white ruling class yeah, of South right. Africa. <laughs> so, so, uh, Merton rigs are being tortured, and they're being tortured in two very different ways. Yeah, uh, uh, very ironically, as if they'd read their psych file yeah. front to back. And uh, much like 1984, have devised a specific torture just for them. Yeah, Murtaugh's being just punched repeatedly. <laughs> His then, deepest fear! Yeah. And then having salt thrown at him. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is really shitty. Yeah. Uh, Riggs, on the other hand, is being electrocuted with a s- electric sponge of some kind. Which, unfortunately, if Gary Busey had read his DSM, he'd know that this was a cure for Riggs' crippling That's depression. True. And you'll notice that from now until the end of the movie, Riggs has superpowers. Yes! No! He is focused, he has his seizures under control, he is feeling at peace with himself. Now, at this point, Gary Busey is trying to choke Popeye to death with spinach is what's happening. (laughs) And eventually, I mean, he's basically just like, oh, we're not going to get anything out of him. Anyone else would have cracked. And Mr. Joshua's like, all right. Sounds good to me. He walks away. And he's going to leave the guy to electrocute him to death. But then uh, Mel Gibson hops up off the wall and puts his legs around that Edo's neck and chokes him out. Yeah, he gives him a good old leg neck crunching. Not the last time we'll see that move from one Mr. Mel Gibson. That's right. That's right. He also used it in Passion of the Christ. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Jesus bites it. Get behind me, Satan, or I'm going to leg choke you so hard. That's how the movie ends. Jesus gets off the cross and then Mel Gibson does a fly scissor <laughs> kick. Yeah, right. <laughs> this isn't last temptation of Christ. Uh, so The devil came to Christ in the desert and he was Hurricane Ronald. <laughs> so Mel Gibson uh, escapes. Riggs escapes. He's yeah. a character, not actual Mel Gibson. I don't think Riggs is a bigot. <laughs> And he picks up the guy's body. He fireman's carries this guy's body all the way till he finds Murtaugh, kicks open a door, still fire carrying a fireman's carrying this guy's body, and then throws it at a dude. Yeah, that is called strategy. He's yeah. using the enemy's strength against them. You have no idea how many arcades I went through the door still holding the barrel. Just in case. That's why you're not allowed in any arcades, dude. No, I'm sorry. Perhaps I lacked phrasing on that one. You take the barrel to the next level anytime you can pick it up. Smash TV was a work of fiction. (laughs) We cannot legally say any more about what Patrick may or may not have been doing between the hours of, I don't know, five minutes ago. It's because he was too busy playing Streets of Rage all day. <laughs> Best game. Oh, dude, Just, Final Fight. Oh, oh Hagar. Yeah. And then, he was a mayor who wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. <laughs> doing some real work. Uh, <laughs> he was an alternate. He was just an alternate Zangief is what he was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Although, for some reason, I don't imagine him being quite as oily. <laughs> Zankeep is like heavily Vaseline. Yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely well. He's yeah. definitely sponsored by KY Muscle Grease. <laughs> like everyone here. Yeah, that's right. KY Muscle Grease for all your communist body slamming needs. <laughs> Just slam on the brakes and skid into that parking space before you kick the door open and demand some KY Muscle Grease. Are you trying? To- Shut up, Grandpa! I'm here to buy KY Muscle Grease. 
I'm going to play my music as loud as I want, and I need a muscle grease that gets me. Are you ever trying to bear hug a guy and feel like your skin keeps sticking? <laughs> KY muscle grease. I will say this. For this movie, for an 80s action movie, the the characters are uh, surprisingly ungreased. Yeah, because they're supposed to be like real people. Like, this could happen <laughs> well, to you. And the trick that they kind of back up on is they, they, they trade that out for having them soaking, dripping wet all the time. That's true. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't rain on Mel Gibson. It's not allowed to rain on him, just like LL Cool J is not allowed to die in a movie. But he <laughs> does get really wet. He's Sorry, I didn't realize that the feds had passed that law. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch any movie that LL Cool J is in where he's in mortal danger. He always escapes somehow. Yeah. Look at uh, look Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. He's he's well, he's the chef, and like he kills a shark by throwing like a knife at it, and then like a a stupid aerosol can, and he saves his dumb bird, and then he goes, Deep as blue as my head is like a shark's fin. Deep as blue as my head is like a shark's fin. Hey guys, That's this, the song from the movie, by the way. This movie sounds great. We should watch it. Pause the podcast. Let's watch Deep Blue Sea. So Thomas Jane is a shark expert. <laughs> oh shit, the Punisher's in this movie? Oh, you know it. This is gonna be the best. That's right, shark expert... Dave Hung, because um, he was on that TV show Hung, where he had the big penis. It was on HBO. <laughs> Never mind. I, just, I, just, I love how in your world, the, uh, the main character's last name is the name of the show. Yeah. That was like Becker, Seinfeld. Hung. NYPD Blue. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, NYPD Blue. <laughs> I think the name is Norwegian. Yeah. NYPD Blue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Stevie R. <laughs> Or Jack Fullhouse. Yeah. What I love is I think Twin Peaks is already a name. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, what movie did we watch? Deep Blue Sea starring Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> he got eaten by a shark. Dude, spoilers. Oh, no, no. We're so close to the end, guys. <laughs> so, so Riggs and Murtaugh manage to escape. Uh, they give chase... Uh, Riggs gives chase to Mr. Joshua. Murtaugh gives chase to the general. Murtaugh succeeds and kills the general. Yeah. And he is alright. But then when he runs into Riggs, Riggs is like, I let Mr. Joshua get away. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As played by Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, Mel Gibson was played by Eric Clapton? So, then they realized yeah, that's why he has no chin. <laughs> oh shit, Gary Busey's probably gonna go to my house. So they go to Murdoch's house. And Mr. Joshua gets to the house and when he walks inside, just starts shooting the TV because he doesn't like that they're watching a Christmas carol. Yeah. Well, he's particularly mad that Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't know what day it is. Yeah, right. yeah. So it's fucking Christmas, you asshole! But it's the whole story! <laughs> I mean, his name is Mr. Joshua. Probably a Hanukkah kind of guy. I, just, I thought for damn sure you were going to say his name was Mr. Christmas. And I got so angry. I was going to hit you in the face. So, Mr. Joshua finds a note on the Christmas tree that says something along the of, Dear Bad Guys... Uh, the uh, the only people here are us cops signed the good guys yeah because yeah, when they were moving his family to a secure location Murtaugh was like hey Sarge like one more thing can I leave a cool guy note on the Christmas tree yeah. and the Sarge was like hey 
man, uh, leave me alone. I'm hanging out, <laughs> I'm hanging out in the in the toilet with the real Sarge, with the real chief. I mean, that is definitely the attitude of the entire police department, as we will soon discover in the climax of this movie. Is hey, should we do something? No, no. leave me alone. Let it go. So, Mr. Joshua reads the note, and then a police car breaks through Murtaugh's house and almost hits him. Um, We find out that there's nobody driving it. Oh! It's a ghost car! But then a gun comes at Mr. Joshua's head. That's right. It's it's Riggs. And Riggs leads him out of the house, and they've got him. They've got Mr. Joshua dead to rights for being arrested. <laughs> so they so they take his weapons off him and Riggs and Mr. Joshua proceed to settle this the old-fashioned way. Yeah, Riggs says, what do you say? You want to fight at the champ? Because uh, he's Australian in this movie. Yeah, uh, he barely he, conceals he, he it. Is, he is Australian in this movie. Uh, um, and then he puts some Vegemite on toast and they fucking fight. And they rumble for several minutes while more and more LAPD show up at the scene. Eventually there's a helicopter spotlighting the fight. And, and Murtaugh says, I take full responsibility yeah. for this arrest. We gotta let him try. That guy killed a couple of our men. And so they just... I love that for you, Murtaugh's like... <laughs> He's like Rudy Giuliani, some old yeah. New York guy. Yeah. yeah, we gotta let him do his thing, you know? Exactly. He's, he's Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Audience who's confused, see the previous podcast, unless Mark cut that bit out. No, it's in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so Riggs basically just, like, punches the crap out of this guy, and, and like, every, like, 30 seconds, another cop shows up, yeah. and they draw their gun, and they're, like, handcuffs, and they're like, we yeah. got it! And he's like, nah. Let him finish it. And the cop says, please don't look at me. I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> and Don't they... ask me to do anything. Now, what I love is, obviously, there's a there's a kind of, like, uh, code of honor going on where it's like, nah, these two got to get it out of their system. They got to settle it on the field of battle. Yeah. But, like, what happens when Gary Busey, like, starts winning? Right. Like, he does a whole bunch of times? You just like, let it go, What happens John. the next day if Gary Busey had killed Riggs? He gets to walk away. He won single combat. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. are the rules of single combat. Yeah, just ask Andrew fucking President Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I thought you were going to say Andrew WK. <laughs> I was going to hit you in the face. I need to stop trying to anticipate your speeches. <laughs> Uh, so Riggs and Mr. Joshua fight for <laughs> an almost they live amount of oh time. Oh yeah. and it is nowhere near as interesting. Yeah, well, it's on the dark. It's like four different moves just recycled for nine yeah. minutes. It does need to be a little more interesting. It's yeah. kind of a messy, like, the show cops fight. Yes, yeah. Um, but it's being staged as like a sweet choreographed super fight. Yeah, and it's not working out that way. Eventually, Riggs gets him on the ground, and oh, he goes for his special move. The, the leg joke. The, yeah, the leg neck break. And just before he breaks his neck, when Murtaugh tells him, break his fucking neck, he doesn't. And he lets yeah, him live. Because he's learned a valuable lesson. Because it's Christmas, yeah, you guys. Yeah. It's Christmas. Also, electroshock therapy has been proven time and again to work for clinical depression. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know what Jack Nicholson was bitching about in that movie. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> right? That was what About Schmidt was about, right? Right. Yeah, right. electroshock therapy. Yeah, he got naked into the hot tub with Kathy Bates. 
They electrocuted the hot tub. <laughs> and, and, and then, then he just fucking groundhog days it for the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah. But after Riggs lets him go and the cops are arresting him, Busey pulls a gun from the cop's holster. And, and this then, is when we get probably the coolest part of the movie. Both Riggs and Murtaugh draw down fire. Same time. Simultaneously kill Mr. Joshua. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Now, do you think they ever, like, argue about this later? Like, nah, he was mine. Nah, he was mine. I killed him. Every day. Every yeah. day. Every day. Every day. Yeah, they just never let it go. But right there, two men became one. That's true. In the eyes <laughs> right. of our Lord. <laughs> In the eyes of Christ Ceratops. <laughs> they are now duly wedded. They entered as cops. They left as partners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After they both shot Gary Busey at the same time. Uh, and then there's uh, there's some boring part where Mel Gibson goes and visits his wife's grave. Yeah, and they have a sad. Uh, but then he goes over to Riggs' house and he's like, or he goes over to Murtaugh's house and he's like, Hey, Murtaugh's hot daughter, here's the bullet I was going to use to kill myself. Give it you to your dad for Christmas. I don't don't worry, me. he'll know what it means. Know what it means. And then, but like, I, as the daughter, don't know what it means. I've just been through a horrific kidnapping. Don't hand me live ammunition and tell me to give it to my dad. <laughs> nah, it's alright, because then Murtaugh runs outside and he's like, Hey, Riggs, please, will you please eat my wife's terrible goddamn cooking with me? And then they do. And Riggs says, I got a confession. I was never crazy. Let's go eat some turkey. <laughs> And two credits. Not since Humphrey Bogart and that French cop walking off in the distance have two men been so close at the end of a movie. <laughs> uh, and then the most, the jauntiest credits ever happen. Oh, yeah. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> they're so fast, the credits. They're uh, real quick. Yeah, they're pretty like quick. Like eight people worked on this yeah. movie, yep. and four of them were responsible for Gibson's heir. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it does great things. Yeah, it's pretty it's beautiful. Facts, yeah. All right, so we're going to move on right now to bullet points. Pew, pew. God damn it. Holy <laughs> shit, Patrick jumped the pew, pews on our John. Bullet points. And we are back with our very first bullet point. Body count. Body counts. You're really juicing it up yeah, on that seriously, one. Yeah, seriously, that was a lot on it. I've had a lot to drink. <laughs> Patrick, tell me about your body Ooh, count. Man, I'm going to have to go with at least 50. Ooh, 40, 40. All right, John, body count. Man, that seems really high to me. I'm going to say, like, probably nine. Ooh, John, since we're playing by Price's Right rules as always, usual, always. you didn't go over, so you hey. win. The actual number is 27, ah. the same number of deaths as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers colon the movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So I guess what we're all saying is that uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers colon the movie, just as good as Lethal Weapon. That's right, in the eight intervening years, body counts <laughs> did not change. Trends remained the same. Yeah, nice, nice. That bar graph is just a line. I will uh, say that Power Rangers had a lot fewer naked people. That's also true. Man ass uh, and dude, boobs. Those uh, Tengoki warriors uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> did not wear clothes. Uh, they're Tengu warriors, and you're racist against bird people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Plus, all those dinosaur skeletons were so naked they didn't even have bodies, dude. Uh, do you expect the Triceratops to wear clothes? I do not. I expect him to free us from all of our sins. <laughs> Moving on to our next bullet point, 
Best kill. Best kill. John, best kill. I'm going to say the general. Um, first off, he's driving in a very narrow alley, and Murtaugh shoots the driver. The car keeps careening, gets, I'm going to say, like, backhand slapped by a bus. Yeah. Because <laughs> it goes a good, like, the bus stops immediately. The car spins around and gets a good, like, 20 to 15 feet up in the air. It shoots a cloud of cocaine everywhere. <laughs> and then it lands down, and uh, the general seems to be reaching for his cocaine, which he kept right next to his live grenades. Yeah. Which is like, come on, you don't want to keep those two things <laughs> literally on top of each other. Uh, but in reaching for the cocaine, he accidentally pulls pulls the pin on a grenade and explodes. Uh, Classic Shane Black writing multiple deaths (laughs) onto one character. Just like in Rocky (laughs) IV, when, I don't know, the Russian president got blown up by eating too many wafers. (laughs) What? That happened, right? No. I should point out that my VHS copy of Rocky IV got taped over by uh, fucking that Monty Python <laughs> sketch movie. The meaning movie. of life. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like it got taped over by Captain Crunch versus General Mills. <laughs> oh shit, that movie's great. I love when Captain Crunch uh, puts a knife into a guy's chest and says, stick around. Yeah, right? <laughs> my favorite is when he knocks the lever and it's, oops, all crunch. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he goes to the CEO and is like, guys, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and the CEO is like, well, dude, we gotta make profits by, by the deadline. <laughs> First of all, Captain Crunch... You will be dishonorably discharged from the serial navy. <laughs> Second of all, we need to release a put out a press release right now that disavows us of any responsibility. Third, let's just sell the shit out of these crunchberries and save face. John, favorite color of crunchberry? Ah, uh, blue, obviously. Patrick, favorite color of crunchberry? I'm a pink guy. Oh, Mark, favorite color of crunchberry? I am a pink guy. <laughs> Whatever, I'll just sit over here being right all the time. (laughs) Patrick, your best kill. I like the guy who died first. He gets shot in the leg by uh, Murtaugh's, like, magnum six-shooter, and then he gets shot in the chest into a pool where he's wrapped in a web and drowned. That's Rasputin level of killing. (laughs) (laughs) Because in the director's cut, they cut out the part where he was stabbed, poisoned. And where he ate all that uh, poison cake, yeah. And he was beaten to death. Oh, that is a really good kill. Actually, that was mine. He took mine. Oh. Um, so I'm going to have to pick a different one. I am going to have to go with... Uh, no, Mr. Joshua doesn't die. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, he does. Uh, Mr. Joshua dies. He gets shot by the cop. Oh, then, yeah. Fucking Mr. Joshua gets yeah. the double shot to the gut. Yeah. See, or you could also go with what the movie highlights as not the Mr. Joshua. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, There's that guy part. who gets just shot out of the catwalk. <laughs> There's a guy walking around the catwalk... Riggs puts about 70 bullets in him, and then they just go in pass, and they're like, not Mr. Joshua. Yeah. It's one of those Saddam Hussein impersonators. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. But that's the thing is, he is dressed head to toe as Mr. Mr. Joshua, Joshua. Yeah. and even has the slick back blonde hair. Uh, though, yeah, yeah, then I gotta go Mr. Joshua, because first, he has the big giant knockdown drag out fight with Riggs, and then he gets the double... Like, the two cops leaning into each other's arms ever so lovingly. Double shot. We see both their guns are equally powerful and equally good at killing. Yeah. 
The Beretta and the Six Shooter. The old man gun versus the new school gun. They're really not so different after all. That's right. They're both guns. (laughs) And they don't take people to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, moving on to our next bullet point. War crimes? (laughs) It's war crimes. War crimes. Way to stick the landing, guys. Patrick, war crimes! I'm overcompensating. (laughs) You know, I think that uh, corralling some odd 40 cops away from arresting a man who has killed multiple people so that you can have a bare-knuckle boxing match is gotta be against some kind of law somewhere. Yeah, because he's definitely under arrest at this point, so now it's just a case of... Police brutality! Yeah! A great deal of LAPD officers are standing around while a man is being beaten senselessly. I can only hope that neighbors are taping. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, John. John, war crimes. Uh, I'm going to say the biggest war crime is the fact that an ex-military unit, a shadow unit as it's called, uh, takes over operations of an illegal CIA drug narco circle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically taking heroin from, I guess, Vietnam yeah. and selling it on American shores. They are. Yeah, two big shipments a year, they say. Yep, of merchandise, as they point out. <laughs> to which Mel Gibson says, why don't you just call it heroin? That's what Mel Gibson sounds like, right, you guys? Yeah, yeah right? that's exactly right. Can you try and do it with a little bit of an Australian accent? No. Oh, okay. 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 Moving yeah, on, no. fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Mark, war crimes. Uh, gosh, I, I would have to say, for me, the war crimes would have to be the sheer number of just automatic weapons being <laughs> flooded into the streets. Everybody has automatic yeah. weapons in this movie. It's crazy. Also, Riggs appears to just own a sniper rifle. Yeah. 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 Like, I, like I, I, I can't remember, Patrick, I think it was you who said that this movie basically points out that everybody who left Vietnam left it with a giant duffel bag full of guns. Yeah, with a bunch of stuff that you're not supposed to have in civilian life. Yeah. Everybody got one. Yeah. It was your parting gift. <laughs> I would have preferred a home version of the game. <laughs> I'm sure most of those gentlemen would have preferred, you know, medical attention and a job. But instead, they got a footlocker of weapons. It just, who would have thought Lethal Weapon would be our most politically charged episode? <laughs> But Mondale. (laughs) Make America eh again? (laughs) Or just go into your voting booth and very pointedly don't vote. (laughs) Make sure everyone knows it. You're making a statement. Because if not enough people vote, and this is a true law, they have to start the election over again. (laughs) With all the candidates that you like. (laughs) That's not how that works at all. Yeah. Sorry, the election didn't have a quorum, you guys. We gotta do it again. You can tell we were all born in America because we have no idea how it works. <laughs> I was educated in the public school system. <laughs> it's great. We all vote, and then the electoral college says, oh, that's sweet, but like, no. Yes. <laughs> I'll stop you from hurting yourself, America. That's because they're a college with brains. Oh, man. <laughs> I got my degree from the Electoral College. <laughs> yeah, right. Are they like uh, ACC it was in corruption? Or Big Ten? <laughs> uh, I think they're like like Conference USA. They're just one of the shitty D. They're a D three school for sure. <laughs> they uh, play at the Tostitos Bowl. Pretty good team, though. You guys, yeah, pretty I mean, good team. Come on. 
They win every year. Well, every uh, four. Moving on to our last bullet point. Is this an action movie? Is this an action movie? Patrick, is this an action movie? Absolutely. There's a gun range. I can't count how many cars get blown up. I also can't count how many uh, bullets are fired without a lot of purpose into crowded streets and roads. (laughs) Oh, it's all the things you want. (laughs) John, is this an action movie? I'm going to say yes. Uh, This movie had the opposite effect of Terminator 2, where after watching it, I could only remember the boring parts. (laughs) Uh, In this movie, as soon as the credits rolled, I forgot every scene that did not have an explosion in it. That's because all of those scenes have been condensed into a mellow saxophone note or two. Yeah. <laughs> really carries you through all the boring parts. Mark, is this an action movie? Oh, yeah, of course it is. This is like one of the action movies. It's a Pantheon action movie. Yeah. And while maybe not isn't as uh, exciting or fast-paced as some of the movies that have come out since, it definitely set a template for those kind of movies. Uh, there's wisecracking cops. There's lots of big, loud guns, explosions, grenades... Um, the only thing it's missing for me is the police chief going, murder! <laughs> Yo, you got it. That, that's why they have sequels. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, the police chief in this one is just very afraid of confrontation. Yeah. And he's also got irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he got taped up to the bathroom and the fake is working in his place. Yeah. All right. Patrick, let me get your final review of Lethal Weapon. Ten really loud gunshots out of ten really loud gunshots. John, your final review of Lethal Weapon. I give it a zany, I'll pay you $100 when you mean $100,000 for all of this cocaine I'm a cop stinging you about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mark, your final review of Lethal Weapon. Out of third instrument, (laughs) that wasn't one. It's a guitar sax combo. Oh well, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for another episode of Body Counts and Beer. I am Mark Rosenthal. I am Patrick Bromley. God, I guess I'm still John Rooney. And you always will be. We never solved the murder mystery (laughs) of, I don't know, me? (laughs) Guys, we started drinking way too early for this. (laughs) Good night. Or day. I don't know when you're watching this. Just stop the podcast. Just stop the podcast. Body Counts and Beer is Patrick the Monster Squad Bromley, Mark the Last Boy Scout Rosenthal, and John the Long Kiss Goodnight Rooney. All real shame black movies, not Die Hard yet, nothing to do with that. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, anywhere that fine podcasts are purveyed. Leave us a rating, leave a review, so we can wave it in our bullies' faces and they stop beating us up. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast, or email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, what you love, what you hate, what you merely tolerate, what warms the cockles of your heart, what movie you want to hear us do next, what movie we should never do. And keep in mind, we will never, ever do Steel Magnolias.